Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, we're talking the Omen 2, or Damien the Omen 2, or Damien Thorne the Omen 2, the Omening again, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hill, coming to you once again from some sort of military cadet academy that does almost nothing in this movie. It's the Kill by Kill podcast. Uh, welcome once again. This time we will be discussing uh, Damien the Omen 2 in the hopes that a, uh, a member of the Thorn Corporation's death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if my visage is on the wall of Ithiel... She'll tell everybody about it. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I'm good. I've got, I've got my daggers ready. My 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 seven daggers of Megiddo or some <laughs> biblical bullshit that they throw at us in this movie. Yeah. It's, and they get there super fast. It's almost like they were mailed by the U.S. Postal Service right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, man. This movie only had two directors, and yet it feels like it had four or five, Gina. It sure does. <laughs> uh, a, oh. a, a movie that has some really good kills and absolutely nothing else to say about it. Yes. You know what? Uh, I don't want to alarm you before we just start discussing this, Gina, but uh, we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. You know her as a writer, a digital strategist, and of course the podcaster of her own show, Waiting to Exhale. The one, the only, Winter Mitchell. How are you doing today, Winter? I'm so excited to be joining the both of you today to talk I'm about this. So happy that you are here. This is a dream come true. I've been <laughs> wanting to have you on the show forever, so I'm super excited. It took you too long, by the way, Patrick. <laughs> it this took you is too my we were so happy to have you on the show that we gave you this movie. <laughs> That's exactly That makes so much sense. This is basically my life. <laughs> we could have given you the final conflict, which is, you know, way which is, thank wilder. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm bowing. You can't see me, but I am bowing. Thank you so much, very much for that. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, like everyone wants the fancier ones, the, the highbrow ones, or, the, or at least the ones that everyone wants to talk about. But also there, it's harder to make fun of them. Whereas The Omen gives you plenty of opportunities oh, yes. to make fun of dry ass white people yes, in sir. boardrooms just yapping their ass off <laughs> about things that don't ever come into play. Nope, nope. And it was interesting to me, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to go super deep into this yes. but man i didn't know that much about agriculture <laughs> Wait, do, <laughs> and, now, and, do you now <laughs> i do now okay <laughs> so it's edu it's edutainment is what exactly. you're telling us right exactly perfect exactly. um yes i i wrote down at one point um because robert foxworth uh who we haven't had the opportunity to discuss on this show yeah but has always played a just sterling silver asshole even if he's the villain, if he's the hero, he's just always kind of an asshole on screen. And here he plays a guy who's decided that Thorn Corporation is going to go into famine as a way to make money. <laughs> and my first question to the both of you is how does famine equal 
dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. I, I mean, I guess if you if you cut short the you know the worldwide food supply and then sell wheat or something, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, because you. You can get food from other places. It's like oil, you only have to dig up from certain places. Right. But food, like, you can grow it yourself if you want. It's the, not easy, but I also don't see this as a big moneymaker. I, I, I liked the idea that every time he went through this long, drawn-out explanation of his philosophy on how he's going to achieve this, Everybody would kind of like remind him as an aside, you know, the way rich white people do. Well, that's unethical. Yeah. Just sort of like, <laughs> sort of like as a warning, but not like, like as they're going to actually stop him from doing it. It was yeah. like, that's unethical. Meanwhile, it, it was, it was a lot of that. I feel like I heard unethical like 20 times in that film. Yeah. Everyone kind of tosses out unethical as a way to avoid saying no, don't, <laughs> exactly. stop. It's just kind of like. Uh, it's not a hard pass, but it's a kind of like, we don't talk about that in public. Well, exactly. Exactly. We're not in public, and I'm throwing all the money in the world into this. And they spend a good half an hour of this movie setting up that they're buying up land, that the people they're buying from are being killed, that this is a big problem that will come back to bite them in the ass. And you're like, well, why does the devil want to get into this? <laughs> You know, and you know, Patrick, this is the second movie that we have watched that involved like the devil and a lot of white people in boardrooms. Yes, because there was also the, the visitor. Right, this and the visitor have a lot in common. I wish they had everything in common, and by that I mean people uh, driving with little Tweety birds in their car that caused them to crash into a soccer and, field. And bizarrely, both movie star Lance Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he 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 got into his he found his niche early on in his career. Yes. yes. Look, in league with the devil. Now, it, it does he has a less clear pathway to power here as he does in the visitor because here he's just kind of va he basically advises the antichrist to read the bible. <laughs> Which like okay, you got to put a person in there just to do that. That seems like a very low bar to clear. Whereas in The Visitor, if he helps give birth to the Antichrist, he will gain ownership of the Atlanta Hawks. Now that is a plot. I forgot about that. It's like, sell your soul to the devil so you can own this second-rate basketball team. Yeah, they were in the ABA at the time. They weren't even an NBA franchise. Like, get in on the ground floor of the ABA. It's like, it can't lose. And he has sex on fur coats. Which right. Which is, is what they sad. all did in the yeah. late 60s throughout the 70s. So I feel like that was required. With the exception of Lee Grant in this movie, who seems to, maybe if she has sex on anything, it's probably in multi-part sweater sets. Oh, yes. She is bathed in wool, baby, from the frame one. If she isn't in a, a nightgown, she is in a multi-part sweater set. She knew what the end game was, as we all were subjected to. I mean, that was a that was a shock, but she knew what was coming, and I think she had to be dressed to kill, right? <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has to be dressed in something that's reasonably flammable. If what you're going to do is orgasmically yell, "Die me!" <laughs> 
god. And then Unreal. she goes up in flames. Like the, her only purpose is to stab one middle-aged man, and then she gets blown up real good. That's an easy check. Which is like a rip off. I mean, if you're gonna rip off you know, any movie, why are you gonna rip off The Exorcist Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that also features somebody who inexplicably just bursts into flame. Yes, it does. Unbelievable. You know what yeah. I thought was really interesting about sort of the way it was all set up in the beginning is that you arrive. It's this this harried like trek through Israel. Yeah. And we get there, and, and what, it's supposed to be like a week after the last film, right? And then... Yeah, just uh, days after. Days it's after. Picking right up. And then we leapfrog seven years later. I've just... The choices <laughs> in this... The, the the narrative of this movie, like, the I feel like uh-huh. it was set up so that it would be like for Hodges and, and Seltzer, you know, Seltzer created the characters. Like, sure. he wanted this to be his godfather, right trilogy yes. yeah. but like with demons right. with satan and it's a perfectly reasonable goal given <laughs> how things were going at the time like they have a hit you have a, a bit of a formula and you have a family's rise to power mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's not it's not the worst idea in the world no. it really isn't right but they kind of decide like all right we got to fill it with these deaths but we have to fill it with some other kind of plot. And then someone says, well, what about boardroom, um, you know, intrigue that doesn't go anywhere? Get it. Get it quick. Get a typewriter. <laughs> and then they just fill it with like, these tanks aren't working. The P-84. Like, nobody cares. Like, none of it comes to anything. It's just like people have to discover that Damien is the devil or the Antichrist. And then they have to die. But you don't have to fill it with all this other shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I mean, some of the deaths are so spectacular that I feel like yeah. they they added them in later to you know you know ensure that the audience does wake up at certain points. Yes. Right. It's like yes. okay, we're we're losing the audience here. You know, have a dude get you know sliced like a deli salami in half in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how they put they presented it. By the way, Gina. <laughs> They were like, it was an aside right after lunch. <laughs> we'll just have a guy get sliced like a like a piece of pastrami. Throw that um, in there. So let, let's let's begin at the beginning. What a wonderful place to start with the open too. And of course, as Winter mentioned, we we start in in what appears to be Israel, or at least in the Middle East. They, maybe a Chiron comes up. I don't really know. But uh, you, this movie starts with a bang. Because uh, although Richard Donner was meant to uh, direct this, he wasn't. And this sequence is filmed by the the movie's first director. And in it, he's taking a little bit of that Superman flavor. That's right. You will believe an old man can beat morning traffic to a restaurant (laughs) by the porch. I've never seen so much effort be put into, like, this guy's really driving and sheep are in the way. (laughs) <laughs> can i tell you something of course i've been, t- I've been like, you're cr- i'm literally crying right now i've been to israel oh and great that, yeah, <laughs> and that expert is, testimony expert testimony 
Tony. I've been to Israel, and that's literally how all old men act there. They have the superhuman strength. They're, they might be walking at like one mile per seven hours, but these guys have superhuman strength. So if so, that's how I knew immediately. Besides all the you know the 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 the, the signage that he uh. was in Israel, I was like, oh, he must be in Israel. He's he's nine thousand years old, and he's <laughs> literally. <laughs> He's literally in a rush and getting there. So like that horns don't exist. He just has to yell and wave his arm at people. And like, what are you doing driving in the street? It's like it's a newfangled thing. So it turns out that this guy is from the first movie. He's uh, he, he's the guy who gives uh, uh, Thorn the the daggers of Maganon or Bugenhagen. His name is Bugenhagen. Everyone knows the Boogs. Um, <laughs> that guy was in a lot of movies in the 80s, usually playing like someone who who knows a prophecy <laughs> or, you know, lives in, a, lives in a cave. He always has a kind of look about him. This must be what, like, having lunch with someone who's really into QAnon is like. He <laughs> starts right in with prophecy. You're like, uh, I don't even have mozzarella sticks yet. Let's, let's <laughs> calm this down. Um, but it turns out he is, in his in in his words, too old to travel to Chicago to tell someone you've got to kill this guy, this kid, because he is the Antichrist. So he's going to send this uh, other archaeologist in his place. But before they go, he's got to look at this this ancient graffiti on the wall. So they travel out, and they, in what feels like. They spent money on this set, and God damn it, you're going to see every inch of it. Mm-hmm. They get down into the bottom, and as soon as they do, it all crumbles down on top of them. And after a movie where people get, you know, metal poles staked through their entire body, and, and a, a photographer gets his entire head lopped off, and it flies up into the air, it's a little bit of a letdown to go, oh, here are some foam rocks. Yeah, but they really make up for it with other deaths in this movie. This show, it's it's a slow warm up, but I really did not figure that the previously on the Omen would be presented via wall painting. Like that's <laughs> that is quite a, a statement to make. Uh, the Omen two then pulls the patented Lifetime movies seven years later move, and then. We have the dinner at the Thorn House, um, and we everyone that you know and love from Omen movies is there. Oh, no, this is an entirely different cast. Uh, different people, no one that you saw before. Bugenhagen is the only one who kind of ports over uh, from the previous movie. Uh, but we do have some ste- uh, some stellar casting here. You got William Holden, who I love regardless of his participation in this motion picture. (laughs) He was actually offered the lead in the omen and turned it down and then said, I'm never, I'm never turning that down again. That made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) That made a lot of money. And then this came out. It's like, Oh fuck. I chose the wrong one. You know, what's interesting. How did he take that after Cary Grant? Mm no, no uh, Gregory sorry. Peck. Not, uh, oh, Gregory, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Yes. I get them confused all the time. How did he? How did he like uh, decide not to? And then Peck goes, "I'll take 
I'll take Holden's leftovers. Yes. That's a, yes. 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 Well, I mean, remember that they the Gregory Peck's character was killed was killed at the end of the Omen. Like everybody right, died. Right. Yeah. Right. Like right. Uh, uh, Lee Remick's character, you know, famously, you know, fell out of the hospital window, and then uh, I think Gregory Peck's character got shot. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Church. So yeah, this is a whole. You know, this is supposed to be his, his aunt and uncle now. Yeah. This is the the other half of the Thorn family. Um, but I think Peck thought right. it was fucking ridiculous, too. But, like, he had a house payment and, like, the check cleared. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so am I, am I the only one who who kind of did a mental deep fake and kept kind of, you know, the kid that plays Damien yeah. looks a lot like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> and and I kept, like, thinking of, like, like, yes. like Space Camp era. <laughs> But he was still leafy. Yes. Sure. Because yeah. he's kind of got that sort of intensity about mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I could definitely picture your little 12 or 13 year old Leaf Phoenix playing the son of the devil. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, but then you wouldn't have gotten that wonderful uh, Shakespearean tone because apparently Jonathan Scott Taylor, the kid who plays Damien Thorne, was a Royal Shakespeare Company actor. And so even though he's left... Britain yeah, even though he's raised two. by American parents, he, he sounds like Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> mother, mother. One Ma. day I will be owner of Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. Are we ready for a hot dog? Every time this kid wanders into frame, I think a selection from The Sound of Music is about to play. Yeah. He just... Seems a little mm, fashy to me, and maybe that's just great casting. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's the ultimate fascist. He's the antichrist. I mean, Aunt uh, Marion knew. Yeah, she, she, she had a. Uh, she'd been waiting for that dinner, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and let and that is what I paused on. <laughs> so they they decide they're gonna have the Marion's like a totes, real bee. To Damien on his way out to school. <laughs> and uh, although she loves Mark, uh, she's, she's a little cold to Damien. So later that night, she decides, all right, well, the museum guy's here. It's time to air out all my dirty laundry. I think Damien's trash. There's something wrong with him. There's a reason your brother tried to kill him. And you can't leave the company to him. And if you do, and this is her warning. Her threat is, I'm going to leave that $100 million to charity if you don't do what I say. If that is your threat, you're too fucking rich. Yeah. <laughs> I will give this money away. <laughs> like, I think they got plenty. I, they're doing okay. Also, on the table, a pewter bird. Just <laughs> a bird sitting right next to the flowers. Well, what better things are there to buy with that kind of money than just birds? Just collect (laughs) birds. Yeah. Decorative birds for your table, for your desk. Birds. Buy them today. (laughs) uh, Aunt Marion's played by Sylvia Saint. Um, And if you have not looked at a picture of Sylvia Saint circa 1940, do yourself a favor. That woman was good looking. Yes, she uh, was in uh, Beetlejuice. Yes. Right? Yeah. She's fantastic. She She's got this wonderful voice. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Give me a break. 
I'm not your coach. (laughs) (laughs) She Um, was, um, she came there with an agenda. Yes. And everyone else just, interesting to see that it, that we start with all of this, you know, everything that we're, that we're knowing already about Damien and then everything we're about to learn about agriculture and the agricultural industry. (laughs) Yeah, the it lesson's just, about to begin. Yeah, I, I, I was still confused. And by the way, I'm going to note a lot of times I'm confused during uh, this movie. Sure. Why she chose this moment. Like what, between Bogan, Hagen, Hagen, Hagen mm-hmm. in Israel freaked out in the streets. And then we fast forward into this sort of moment. Where, what, what happened in between that time? Was it the threat of Damien becoming... The heir to the thorn. Because there's a moment where it could totally pivot into like an episode of Dallas. <laughs> and it just and doesn't. <laughs> it really should have. That would have been awesome. Um, but I don't know. The reason for why it's now is the movie needs to begin. I, I don't think there's any other particular reason other right. than they've waited this long to invite Aunt Marion because she causes a fuss when you're just trying to have veal. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, but, uh, she, we have, we've had two deaths. You've been crushed by rocks. Well, how are you going to follow up that kind of blockbuster? How about an old woman having a heart attack and falling out of bed while a crow looks at her? Yeah. I mean, crows are pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah, they are. I mean, you're, you're awake up in the morning, you're having your morning coffee, you look out, uh-huh. you know, your window and there's like just one on your fucking lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it, it's looking at you like today, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> and then it flies well, away like maybe not, <laughs> or maybe not, or maybe I'll be back. <laughs> How about that? My my version of a crow is a squirrel uh, who often fights with the other squirrel that he lives with, and they are constantly at one another in the morning. They can't get along, but they can't also leave because the sex is too good. <laughs> So it's a whole thing. Um, so poor Aunt Marion uh, has a heart attack. And by the way, she killed that heart attack, by the way. <laughs> she does. She it's, killed I, I'm not, it's not not for a lack of realism. No. Cut no. to the Davidson Military Academy in Wisconsin. So we finally have some cheese on this podcast. We're introduced, of course, to the uh, already mentioned here, Lance Henriksen. Uh, who has entered the chat looking like a snack. That jawline can cut yeah. glass. Yeah. Yeah. This movie truly lacks for sex on a fur coat. I just, we never get him out of uniform. Not that he doesn't look good in it. He's so slim. Yes. He's a slip of a thing. <laughs> uh, he yeah, his his face doesn't quite have that like tooled leather wallet look yet, but it's, yeah. it's getting there. It's yes, getting there. Exactly. It's getting, exactly. Give him a couple more summers in Malibu and it's going to come across. Uh, but then I, as, as slim as he is, the uh, antidote to that is how every car in this movie looks like the fucking Titanic. <laughs> like, you should have pontoons on either side of them. It is the largest car movie I've ever seen. It's gig- Every single one of them is gigantic. That limo looks like a minibus. Well, that was, a, you know, that was, the, that was the era. Yeah, you know, the, the the land yacht years, <laughs> the land yacht years. 
at the academy, we're we're introduced to uh, a a bully of some kind called Teddy, and immediately, like, oh wow, they found the chungus of all teens to be the bully in this movie, and evil speak just liberally steals every moment it can from this movie, Gina. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many of these because you know the mid to late seventies, thanks to The Exorcist, into the eighties was there were just so many you know Antichrist movies, demonic possession movies, and then they all really just shamelessly lifted from each other. Yes, they're all in conversation, but Evil Speak also has that military academy. There was just like this; it was in the air. It was the time you sent kids to the military for some reason well you know you you, you want you, you want to have children you don't necessarily want to raise them <laughs> yeah you, you, you have too many too many board meetings you don't you don't have time to you know spend with children no 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 they're gross and they smell especially at this age and they take really long showers so they can whack it it's a whole thing <laughs> um but it's during this time that we hear that uh journalist joan hart will be uh visiting the Thorn Corporation, because she has a couple questions about, you know, this wall that might have some links to the Antichrist or something. She just has a couple questions. And I they say Joan Hart like half a dozen times, but every time they do, I hear Melissa Joan Hart. It yeah. just, it's automatic. <laughs> the other thing that they keep repeating over again is Yagale's Wall. Yagale's Wall. They found Yagale's Wall. They're going to ship Yagale's Wall. Have you seen Yagale's Wall? It's the 90-day fiancé of the Yeoman. Like everyone, everyone's talking about it, but not enough people have seen it to really know the ins and outs. Like, it's been around for a really long time. What season do you even start in? I like the fact that somehow it was extracted to go to this museum. Yes. This Thorn Museum. Which, isn't the Thorn Museum just the museum in Chicago? Yes. Okay. okay all great. appearances it is. Okay. And believe me, Chicago, they know how to build a museum. Right. That's a fine looking piece of work they Absolutely. got there. But my kid loves it. Uh we when we go, when we visit my, my wife's parents in, 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 in Madison, Wisconsin, we always do Chicago on our way out and uh, the kiddo uh, digs it. Of course, we've never had anyone burst into flames while we're there, but you know, <laughs> It's 2020. Anything could happen. Anything is possible. Yeah, yes. I mean, honestly, 2020 needs to at some point have somebody get sliced in half by an elevator cable. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have a list, by the way. I have a, a, a very long, detailed list. That's the problem with this. There's only so many elevator cables, and there's so many eligible nominees. Exactly. And someone's going to get snubbed, and you're going to wish that person got cut in half. <laughs> This person uh, would have been much better for this. <laughs> uh, in the interviews for the very lovely uh, Shout Factory Blu-ray set for the open that I have, Lee Grant is very proud of the turn that her character takes. Spoilers, she's in on it. But the movie doesn't so much hide that fact. It's really much more like... like the bad nannies in the first one like mm -hmm. from she the does she does a lot of she does a lot of like you know kind of smirking and and meaningful stares and all i mean she does a better time hiding her guilt when she murders her husband on colombo 
than yeah. she does here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you have fewer opportunities to take Columbo up into a small aircraft. And he identifies that she's the murderer based on her purse. By the way, I'm rewatching Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our next project after Dish by Dish. Just one more thing a Columbo rewatch project. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> oh, my God. I was always, you know, the thing is, like, for me, Lee Grant, this is the weird thing. And this is going to sound weird because I am. I do love film. I do love television. But Lee Grant, I always just she's always in uh, defend your, defending your life. And I just always see her ever since then in that role. So seeing her being kind of a little afraid, a little fake, it was very off-putting. No, I can I can totally see that when you put someone in a very specific box because yeah. you like that. Oh, yeah, movie. she's definitely kind of I, I tend to confuse her a lot with Jessica Walter. Yes. Both sure. of them kind of play that sort of like, you know, waspy mom who, who mm-hmm. you know, maybe kind of be you know, awful. But she, <laughs> you know, only does a, sl- a slightly good job of hiding how awful she might be. Right. And here she has that very full, overgrown Dorothy Hamill look going on. Yeah. And of course, she's, we're told from the get-go, she's the second wife. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Is there anything more evil than the second wife? (laughs) Which is worse, she's a second wife or the whore of Babylon? I mean, honestly, (laughs) who who can tell? As a second wife, I, I, uh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's good to know that finally these predispositions I have are paying off. <laughs> She's giving me a lot of Chris McNeil, oh, which yeah. I very much feel like mm-hmm. that. Again, we're going back to I saw a thing and now I'm going to make it my thing because the studio gave me money. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know, can see that. You know what I mean? Like, so just from the fashion, from the look, from the demeanor, what if Chris McNeil was in on it with Satan? Sure. You know, I they, listen, there are worse ideas and they're called the visitor. But <laughs> this movie, uh, take it's all a conversation. Like they're just the 20th Century Fox. Is like, listen, if we're going to pay for the omen, too, they're going to expect the omen. So like. Let's give him the omen, but let's also give him the exorcist. Let's also do this. Let's also let's give him a little bit of all of it mm-hmm. all in one buffet. It's like a Las Vegas buffet. Mm-hmm. You get everything that you want. Yeah, I definitely want pancakes and ribs on the same place. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want that. That sounds good. Put it on the VHS cover. A little cheesecake on top of it. <laughs> Maybe some asparagus. <laughs> That's if you like pancakes and ribs, you'll love the omen too. <laughs> um, so the aforementioned Joan Hart finally does show up dressed like Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> and she barges her way in, into into Thorne's limo and, and basically gives him the rundown. He's like, you're crazy. Get out of my car. And then she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep a low profile. I'm going to dress also in all red. <laughs> Show up to uh, a tween's uh, football practice. No one will notice me. And she does. She sees uh, Damien and she's like, oh, fuck. Makes a run for it. Mm -hmm. Gets in her car, beats feet. Maybe half a mile down the road, car stops. 
So she gets out, sees a farm, says, I got to get my purse because there's no way that they're going to let me into the house dressed like this. I'm going to have to pay them. But as soon as she gets out of the car, well, who's back? But it's our old friend, the crow. And instead of just standing over an old lady she keels over, now he's going to get actively involved. And we, what, is, and what does this mean? It's my favorite thing, Patrick. <laughs> a wheelchair death? No. Okay, oh. my second favorite thing. Okay, what is your second favorite thing? An obvious mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, goodness. <laughs> Poor Nancy's mom. Na- you love Nancy's mom. And I Nightmare love <laughs> Nancy's mom. Yep. <laughs> Give me an obvious dummy death, and I'm so happy. <laughs> I, I'm like that. I'm like that picture of like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing from from Once Upon a Time in yes, Hollywood. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know I'm gonna get right on Twitter after this and and post that. <laughs> so she gets out of the car. That crow instantly starts attacking her, and we get a. Puppet on person attack, <laughs> which we, we can't see it because they refuse to show us. So we just get her play by play of, oh, no, no, not my eyes. Oh, now my, my eyes, my eyes. It took my eyes. Because like, oh the bird can be reasoned with and they please don't poke me in the eyes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, not my eyes. No, my eyes. Yes. You, you practically told that bird where to strike. And then she rolls into the ditch. And by now, that red outfit has begun to look like kind of a sad bathrobe. Yeah. And she strumbles out. (laughs) Then we hear the sound of a truck. (laughs) A a truck that has, I I really want to emphasize this. The front of the truck is absolutely vertical flat. (laughs) It's, It's a cab over. So when she wanders out and the guy can't stop and that truck hits her. It, the thing you most expect is going to happen. Her feet leave the ground and she flies upward and then into the top of the trailer that the truck is hauling because that's how gravity works. When you hit something flat, you don't go in and up. And she's like lifted like Superman. It's just science. I haven't seen a series of follies leading to that injury since Nordberg. And then they <laughs> just when you thought she was out, she's literally pulled back in, then up, then down. Literally. It was Nordbergian. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. Man. I, I'm disappointed wow. in you, Patrick, though, because you, 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 you skip past what is the the only genuinely un- disturbing, nightmarish death in this movie. What is that? And that's a, an elderly man getting falling under ice and then getting trapped. Oh, that happens after this. No, that, I think it's yes. before it. No, it isn't. I have an, I, I have it all in sequential order. Believe oh, well, me. Well, then I'm, I, apo- several, then I'm, I'm, no, I'm not disappointed down. in you. <laughs> I, I renege my disappointment in you. One, two, three, four, five sentences down, I have, The ice is going to break! <laughs> Yeah, that that's like everything else is kind of funny and and out there. That one's like, oh, that's actually kind of awful. Oh, that's fucking yeah. nightmarish. We're back in the legacy territory. Yeah, where that that panic thing I have with the legacy, where that lady comes up and she can't get out of the swimming pool. That's the same thing. I can't handle that, Gina. 
it's too much. It's too real. I don't want that in the omen, too. I want people sliced in half. Like, uh, I want people flying when they get hit by a truck and have their head run over and then their skull reforms because that's how bones work. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we have Mark's birthday party. This is where this all this happens. So we get to see the most evil of pursuits, snowball, snowmobiling in Wisconsin. Uh, we get to see <laughs> William Holden get a, take a snowball to the face. Like, come on, man. He's a screen legend. Yeah. Don't put, don't throw a snowball at William Holden. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a fucking bridge on the, over the river quiet. Yeah. Don't fuck with that man. And then this birthday party, not since bloody birthday. Have we seen an overabundance of people show up to a child's birthday party, including the guy who's saying, let's own the land and charge people to grow food? <laughs> He's at this fucking birthday party. Because why not? Why wouldn't they be? And then they have fireworks. How, how, how special. That cake I... was pretty impressive, by the way. Oh, yeah. And it's also a final destination thing yeah. because they break the ice right away. Right. Oh, fuck. This movie is Final Destination. Kind of. Now, this is a question I have for you guys. Because the Thorne family has a bit of a history when it comes to birthday parties. They don't end well. Uh, the last Thorne birthday party I attended, a <laughs> nanny threw herself off the fourth floor and hung herself and smashed into the third via rope. And they're like, let's have another big birthday party. <laughs> Lightning can't strike twice. <laughs> Surely we can't have two birthday parties where someone dies horribly. <laughs> this guy lives, they, they're having this hockey game, which for a birthday party, okay. Like la laser tag is too good for you, fine. Let's do hockey out on your own personal backyard lake. Um, the guy falls through the ice and then you get to see him carried by the current and it's he's horrible 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 yeah, horrible and it's uh, it is really bad and i i stopped taking notes because <laughs> it just freaks me out you couldn't you couldn't like take notes and cover your eyes at the same time it's hard it's really difficult but do you know what's um, interesting in this film is that you can tell whenever a character is either introduced or shows up on screen like a counter above their head, an imaginary <laughs> counter, it's like it just starts ticking down to how oh soon they're going to be murdered or Damien's going to do away with them. All right, Winter, write that down in an envelope, mail it to yourself, then mail one to the Library of Congress because <laughs> you just got a great movie idea. <laughs> and that is every time a character is introduced, a clock appears over their head yes. until uh, where they're going to die. And some of... <laughs> Some of them won't even die on camera. Right. It's just years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. They're just going to put Justin Timberlake in it. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Why wouldn't you? He's box office gold. <laughs> <laughs> gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> We're back to the fucking military academy where almost nothing happens and we get to see this. I drew a funny picture of the history teacher, and then he exasperates himself, asking me dates. And you're like, how long is this going to go on? The answer, two minutes and 15 seconds. Oh, my God. <laughs> Was it that uh, long? Is, I timed it. 
It is two minutes and 15 seconds of him asking various dates and getting answers and then growing kind of frustrated with it all until Lance Hendrickson is finally like, can you two knock it off? <laughs> like, finally, someone thinks like I think. The narcissist in me kept going, I know who that is. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So this would be a fun obviously. party game if you memorized the entire thing and then had your husband, uh, you know, quiz you in front of everyone else at the party. Like, holy shit, she knows a lot of dates. <laughs> and exactly. The one one guy in the back of the party with a black T-shirt on is like, I'm, they're doing the Damien Odeoma too. <laughs> <I knew that. laughs> they're perfect uh, for each other. Yeah. <laughs> That guy in a black T-shirt is me. <laughs> um, uh, Lance Henriksen pulls Damien aside and says, guess what? You can read all about your life. It's a little thing called the Bible. Check it out. And so Damien does. And then, you know, he does two things. Takes a run. Yells at God. Why me? And finally looks at his bald spot in a shower. <laughs> Because that's, that's what guys do. Is it thinning back there? What number does it say of the when my thinning part? Oh my, it says 999. Thank God. <laughs> oh, so close yet so far. And then the soundtrack has a fucking heart attack. Like the fan of, of the opera is in that boy's bathroom. And he runs not quite at Tom Cruise running department style. And yells, why me? Like, why not you? <laughs> Fuck it, you're already rich. Like, probably you were going to be the Antichrist. Right. If not you, some other rich asshole. And you would have known him. That would have been your buddy. So it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. 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 Listen, everyone's got their something. <laughs> you know, like Jim has a stepdad who's kind of an asshole and drinks too much. And, you know, Rachel, you know, she has that older sister who runs with a weird crowd. And, Damien's the Antichrist. Yeah. But you know what? When we all get together and play D&D, none of it matters. <laughs> oh. And then there's this whole thing about Passarian, who I was very astonished to learn when I looked up uh, who this actor was and what his character is called, that it's not Bussarian. It's Passarian, because everyone in the movie, I'm convinced, is saying Bussarian. I mean, maybe they are just, you know... The, the, the credits are wrong. <laughs> you know what? Stranger things have happened. I know because I'm living in 20 fucking 20. Yeah. So the class goes to a factory because that's what you do in military school. You get into the finest of Chevy vans <laughs> and go on a field trip to a factory of some kind that one of their dads owns. And everybody's dads own, own, own factories, own factories. In, this, uh, in this uh military academy yeah yeah there's the, the amount of fa factory ownership is very high here um but for some reason the p84 is malfunctioning and if it doesn't start working they'll never be able to make money from famine or whatever <laughs> like this is reminds me of like that time i learned that enron got people to invest in weather predictions it's like, wow. how do you make money out of this bullshit? Wow. It's just like, what the fuck? They're all evil. Like, oh, this corporation's run by the Antichrist. Like, fuck, they're all run by the Antichrist. Right, right. Like, Jim Antichrist. 
Jerry Antichrist. <laughs> but wouldn't you know it, the P-84 malfunctions and Pusarian gets gassed with some kind of gas. And this immediately turns green. Guys. Yeah, he does. Literally. And the guy who's like, who's fixing the P-84 with a wrench, they keep... <laughs> I, who, whoever wrote this down was must very proud of himself. Well, this is how P-84s work. Every other joint is a, a letter with a number. Like, well, I don't want to know that. I don't want... I don't want to see them go through a check of five different levers before they finally hit the S-22 that explodes. And he, like, throws up oatmeal. And Passarian barely makes it up the stairs. And then he turns green. Yeah. And Damien's looking at him like, that's what you get. And you're like, <laughs> you don't even know that guy. How does this help you? How does killing a bunch of guys and then almost killing half your class help you take over the world i mean all i could think of was he's he's just you know killing his competition yeah <laughs> but but he doesn't kill any of the kids that he's in the military academy with he's just killing off passarian he's like competition in what the mustache race like, passarian's <laughs> got you beat oh yeah but thank god we meet uh at this point we finally go to the hospital and and meshach taylor is there in his screen debut. That's right. Hollywood himself. Sliced like a sandwich. <laughs> I, you know, uh, it's, it's, it was impressive. I got to say for a debut role, mm-hmm. he doesn't act at all. Like he's going to be sliced like a hoagie <laughs> <laughs> in about three, three minutes. He he's is, got his whole life ahead. His of him. whole life ahead of him. The way he is trying to decipher the marrow cells, the way he is just super intent on communicating his findings. He's got his notebook. He's putting, mm-hmm. he places that discovery, that, that little piece of, what do you call those little things of glass? You put the, vial oh, he had a little vial thing that he had a case for <laughs> that he placed that Everyone in. has a, everyone has a vial carrying case. A vial case. carrying Winter? case. I mean, I, <laughs> he's just a doctor, right? I, I was like, where <laughs> Is this coming from? Is this well? What? Sometimes you find sometimes a doctor meets a very special blood specimen. <laughs> He's like, I got to put you someplace special. Someplace you can't get hurt by a runaway uh, elevator exactly, cable. Exactly. Exactly. He was, and that case that that no one destroys that case. Yeah. That case lives. That he case dies. Lives. He dies. He was committed. And he dies, and he's. Just a spectacular fashion, and you can't tell anything wrong is going to happen when he wanders into that elevator uh, area and it's all red. It's like, <laughs> oh, he's totally going to make it to the floor he wants to get it to. <laughs> he hits 16, he flies all the way up to the top, and then immediately falls all the way to the bottom. And he's like, oh, my elbows. But then he's like, okay, I was like, I'm just going to back up to the back of this elevator and just. Breathe a sigh of relief. What's that cable? Sliced him in half like a bagel. Yeah, I that that scene fucked me up when I saw this as a kid. No, it should. It is it, it is as good as the uh, pane of glass death in the original. I don't think the movie is as good, but if you compare those two deaths, like they are tops. I mean, look, if you're gonna talk about pound for pound actual death that feels real yeah between him and sylvia if they had just an award ceremony for this film (laughs) neck and neck 
nail biter sure. to the end of this of the ceremony. <laughs> and I, I, it helps that someone finally dies that you care about because up until now, you've had like people who yell about the Antichrist or just like jerks at work. Yeah. And, like he's the first person you're like, well, I don't want to see him die. And then yeah. he dies. You're like, well, I don't know who to trust. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy from the museum finally gets that package in the mail of a group of daggers and a lot of letters. It's like dead to me. And then uh, spoilers for dead to me. And um, so he's like, oh, my God, uh, I got to lock this in a drawer. And I gotta, I gotta tell my boss about this. So he's off to, to, uh, you know, yell at William Holden. So here's what I've learned: um, Damien's dad tried to kill him with these daggers, and I got him. And then his face is on Yigal's wall, and I'm gonna make sure it really is. So I'm gonna go to New York, and you better come with me. He's like, pass. But who overhears <laughs> this? But Mark. Now imagine for a second overhearing that your cousin is the antichrist like most people over here like mom and dad are having a, are getting a divorce or <laughs> your uncle jerry gambled away the house hey, but he, on, the, on the other hand though i mean yeah. who's among us has, <laughs> has not had you know a a, a shitty relative that, that that we we might think could be the antichrist yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Whether it's a sibling or or a sketchy cousin or someone uh, like that. Yeah, well, everything and, you're telling me, I'm I'm like, yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, yes, I can. It's it's vivid. So Mark does what any of us would do. He waits an entire day, wakes up, decides to take a walk, because <laughs> that'll clear things up. Damien runs after him, and he's like, "I'm gonna hide on this log." No, he found me. I'm gonna hide behind these trees. And Damien's kind of like, Mark, Mark, why are you running away? <laughs> and he's like, well, if you must know, you're the Antichrist. Your mom was a jackal. And he's like, maybe. <laughs> but Mark, we're brothers. Oh, my God. And Mark's like, you know, I'm just not down with it. It's just like, it was one thing when I found you yakking it into my sock. And you're like, it's the only sock I could find. <laughs> but this is like a really big deal and he's like sorry i have to crush your head now and now this kid who's playing mark is given the very unglamorous task of acting like his brain is being crushed and well it's supposed to be an aneurysm he's giving a brain aneurysm which again (laughs) my worst fucking nightmare yeah Yeah. Uh, listen aneurysms are real getting getting sliced in half by an elevator cable that's the kind of spectacular thing I come to the omen for. I didn't show up here just so that old ladies could keel out of bed and a 12-year-old could go, ooh, my head hurts, and yell a whole bunch unconvincingly. It's just, you've given this kid a bad task of having his head crushed like that guy from, like Mark on the Kids in the Hall is doing it from half a block away. <laughs> And then to add insult to this particular injury, we hear about it's an aneurysm at the funeral via voiceover. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, we don't even have a scene. It's just played out on a on a locked off shot of William Holden going, Ugh. oh, why did I say no to the first one and say yes to this one? 
Why? Why? Oh, God. Turns out the guy who's the head of the museum went to New York, but then decided to seek asylum in a random church. Is that something you can do? Can you just like, it's like the guy who who, who took up residence at the, uh, uh, that asylum in, in London when he got brought up on rape charges. You can just do that in a church. I'm pretty sure you actually can. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's in the laws? Great. I'm writing that down. So now you can, can go and commit crimes. Can do crimes. <laughs> I don't know if you can get food deliveries. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if Amazon Prime delivers there, but <laughs> DoorDash, I need that Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> I robbed the bank, but I'm in a room surrounded by crosses, so just leave it with the priest. Oh wow. Um and then Damien wins a sword. Good for him. Like he yeah. I guess the date thing really worked out for him. Then we have this confluence of events. And I think, Winter, you you nailed it on the head when they said, like, they wanted to do The Godfather. Because you have one of those sequences where Damien's at this cotillion where it's trying to pull off this Star Wars-like trick, this incredible sci-fi conceit. Whereas in Star Wars, it's like laser right. swords and the Force. And here it's girls will pay attention to Damien. Like, God, get the fuck out of here. Right. No girls right. paying attention to that kid. Well, you know, he's got that, you know, what if he started he started to build that, like, kind of satanic mind control? <laughs> True. He's getting better. He's flexing those muscles. <laughs> uh, and then at the same time, you have, uh, you know, William Holden checking out uh, a brick wall in a, in, a, in, a, in a train yard. And then... The the fatal destinations thing starts to happen where one of the trains just decides time to choo choo now <laughs> and starts pushing a bunch of trains towards the guy who's the head of the museum. And then, of course, you know, the greatest silent killer of all trains snatches him up. Right. And he gets caught <laughs> in the little thing that connects trains together uh, from his hip, which I don't. I don't know how that that works. He's just grabbed up by the hip and then he gets smushified and you think, oh, no, they're both dead. But no, William Holden is fine. Uh, and then uh, uh, we find <laughs> we find out that uh, he flies back to Chicago, says, have Damien meet me at the museum. And <laughs> they go from by different cars. And Lee Grant says, this is crazy. This is nuts. Hey, what's over there? Stabamifies William Holden in the guts. And it's like, ha ha, you never saw that coming. I'm the second wife, motherfucker. <laughs> you should have known. <laughs> and uh, then she's like, I was always his. I, when we were at, when we watched movies in our own house, we cuddled together. Didn't you see it? And then Damien doesn't even go downstairs. He just hears her go, and he's like, okay, lit on fire. You're done for. And then she gets lit on fire and he wanders outside. And he's like, hey, meet me back here next time when it'll be the final conflict. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, we get a guest appearance from two people I think you both have heard of. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of years, but they've been in the news. You know, two Corinthians, the two Corinthians. <laughs> 
Um, and that's the end of the movie. That's pretty much it. Um, any final thoughts on Damien the Omen 2, Winter? Here's my final thought. Patrick, I love you, and <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, yeah. asking me to be on the show. Mm-hmm. This is one of the worst films. The first time <laughs> I even heard about this film, uh, there was a little satellite station uh, in San Francisco where I was born and raised called uh-huh. KBHK. They had the same library of, of material they showed constantly, and they were kind enough to show it to you in succession. So they did Omen one on Friday and then the next Friday they would show Omen two. And I just never had the urgency to see. There's something about babies and demons that have mm-hmm. always been, I, I can watch anything, but babies and de- I think it's the Rosemary baby of it all. I, fi- I find Rosemary's baby to be another film that I hate. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. There was something about this, the urgency of this film coupled with the Dallas of it all, coupled with <laughs> the constant corporate espionage intrigue that seemed wildly out of out of place. Right. This film just came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the highs are really hot. They're fun. The deaths are fun, but it's it's uh it's not it doesn't really grab you in between. Right. Uh, right. Not not really. Uh, Gina, wh- uh, what do you have to, to wrap up with? I, I feel like the whole reason for this movie to exist was, you know, let's make the same movie, but way gorier. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, that's just something, yeah, as many horror movies I've come to see, I've really come to appreciate the ones that are very subtle in mm. their in their uh in you know in their in, in in how they get to you and i think the original omen now granted there are a couple pretty spectacular deaths in that yeah but these ones are so the ones in this one are are, are so over the top and and you know, and, and coupled with the you know very long boring scenes of you know damien getting various father figures and you know damien school and board meetings it's just you know it it None of it meshes together very well. Yeah. They like had 45 minutes of movie and they're like, well, wait a second. This is supposed to be an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, and then you compare it to the final conflict, which is just so balls out insane. They just, they just, they just completely did away with any, you know, pretense of, well, let's make this, you know, a regular movie with a couple good scares in it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but that ender is a, uh, is a real one for the record books. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that means that it's time to choose your own death venture. That's right. Uh, if you were forced to choose uh, a way to die out of the ways that are presented in this motion picture, which one would you choose and why? Up for uh, offer here, we have get buried alive in Israel. Uh, we have get your eyes pecked out and then uh, get crushed by a truck. We have get... Uh, fall through the ice during a hockey game and get carried away by the current. <sighs> uh, wow. We get, get poisoned to death in a, in a, in a factory explosion while a military Academy kind of looks on and it's like, see, you had that coming. Um, then you get sliced in half by elevator cable. Um, then you got crushed by a train, a uh, heart attack, uh, out of your own bed, brain aneurysm in the snow while being taunted, 
and then stabbed in the gut by your second wife or uh, get explodimified in the basement of a museum. Did I miss any? Uh, I think you got it. All right. It's a lot to choose from. But Winter, as our guest, I choose you to go first. I would hope that it would be obvious, but I just, you know, I want to go out like I come in, show up, be the only person you didn't expect to see here and then make a grand exit. And that's Meshach Taylor. Yeah. Uh, elevator death. Yeah. The, the only person who comes out of this with a, uh, a real career. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. L- listen, there's a lot to look forward to even being cut in half. Like you've got many seasons of television to yes. look forward to and you're going to be in mannequin and you're going to be a mannequin. Yeah. You're yeah. going to wear those triangle sunglasses. And you're yeah. going to wear a caftan. It's yeah. going to be the whole thing. <laughs> you're going to inexplicably be in the sequel. And it's not even really a sequel. It's an in-name thing. She's not really a mannequin. Anyways. Uh, you I... justify the relationship between a dummy and a dummy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. And then like James Spader is in the first one and he's yeah. kind of prissy. And you're yeah. like, well, that's a weird turn from you. Yeah. Um. Sure. Uh, Gina. What say you? Do you even need to ask? You want the obvious dummy death? Yes. Yeah, of course. Now, you're <laughs> going to get your eyes pecked out by a fucking crow at the beginning of this. Like, it's not instant, instant dummy. I, mean, I don't need my eyes. I can barely see anyway. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you get to dress like uh, Carmen Sandiego, which is a fun uh, I, I love departure. It. I love it. That, that's, a, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, like so much, so much to choose from. But I think I'm gonna go with poison to death in a factory explosion. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna go the Passarian route only because I get to rock that stash, uh, and he's got a real kicky curly haircut going on there. It's a whole look. Plus, he gets to travel to India, and I've always wanted to do that. So. Yeah. You know, there's a little side benefit there. All right. That just about does it. But before we go, uh, Winter, uh, tell the people on here where they can find you, what you're doing and about your show. Uh, My show is called Waiting to Exhale. We talk about how Generation X shaped us. And what it looks like from the other end of it. Oh, uh, no. My host, my co-host Karen Thompson and I do this show every week. This week, uh, as of this taping, we are we interviewed Joe. Uh, sorry, June Diane Raphael ah. uh, from Grace and Frankie to talk about how she, she talked to us literally about how she thinks Clueless was the worst thing to happen <laughs> to young women in the late '90s. So that was a ride. Um, oh, I am found. I usually hang. I will say that I hang out the most. On Twitter, that's my favorite mm-hmm. place. So I'm at W-Y-N-T-E-R, Mitchell with two L's. Winter Mitchell. Do it. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, you're great <laughs> on Twitter. And I you. love your show. And uh, I I can't wait to hear more of it. I can't uh, wait for you guys to be on it. So let's figure that out. Yes, please. Yes. I mean, hell yes. Yes. Uh, what, what an honor that would be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gina, uh, where can people find you on these here internets? I uh, write about movies and television at thespool.net, and I, too, spend too much time on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. We're on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod. We're, uh, we got the Facebook group and uh, stuff where we uh, go into more detail and have funny memes. And then, of course, we're on Instagram for some reason. Uh, we are not on Snapchat. 
Still not on Snapchat. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know if it's still operating, to be fucking honest. Uh, we got a TikTok. I just watch. Um, that just about does it for uh, this week. Of course, next week we'll be back with more Dish by Bish. Dish by Bish. Dish by Dish, where we're talking about the next episode of Hannibal. And then we'll be back for The Omen 3. And that's about it. God bless that poor soul. (laughs) (laughs) They really have it coming. Uh, But I can't thank you enough, Winter, for suffering with us. Thank you, guys. Your presence made this all worth it. Thank you. And so the body count will continue for myself, for Gina, and for Winter. Bye-bye, everybody. I have just discovered something. Uh, this is at 1248. And that is that my computer is not plugged in. I now need to go out into the main house and get my computer plugged and plug That's it okay. in. Otherwise, okay. everything I just plugged mine in. Oh, good. I will be. <laughs> give me one minute and this will be taken care of. My apologies. Okay. No problem. Okay. <laughs> so funny. Gina, like, I was cracking up because I just knew... The hurtling towards this city in Israel, and then I was, I, I was like, "This is absolutely Israel." I just know it. I can tell by all the frantic, the frantic, not going really anywhere, but just moving in a direction. And and normally, normally the the folks aren't even like looking to you know, kill the Antichrist or anything. They just you know <laughs> got to meet a friend for coffee. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My favorite story. Get out of my way. (laughs) No, my favorite story. This is, I'm usually really great about being a good American in other countries, but this, I have an amazing picture of this elderly man pushing like a bunch of bread. And I go and I try to get in front of him to get my shot. And he's like, no, no, (laughs) just get away. (laughs) He was like, I got to get this bread. It was fresh bread. It smelled so good. And I was like, this is such a moment. This is such a moment for me. And he was like, get out, get out. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to get out of your way. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I was like, I got to get this bread to the, I got to get this bread to the sandwich shop. And you're in my way. And you're in my way. I felt so bad. I was so embarrassed.